welcome to discussions of music, healing, and consciousness with your hosts, Chris Noble and Bill Protzman. On this podcast, Chris and I offer a spontaneous, ongoing conversation about how music is intertwined with healing and consciousness. Our first season helped lay the foundation and build some of the superstructure for what we want to do here in season two, where we'll be welcoming some intriguing guests going deeper into ancient mysteries and wisdom, and cultivating your background knowledge and curiosity. We hope these discussions will inspire your own study and practice of the musical and healing arts, and that your contribution to advancing world consciousness will be satisfying for you and transformative to those around you. Let's get started. Chris, it's so great to see you today. This is so exciting, man. Uh, I, I can't wait to do the commentary at the end of this interview. So to set this up, so uh, we wanted to interview a guy named Maury Zelkovich, founder of the Maury Method. He is a brainwave entrainment engineer and he's right up our alley. I mean, he's he's aligned with us. So uh, we started to do that and then Chris had an interruption in, in his life that was important. And so I took the interview, we recorded it. Now we're coming back to bookend that. And uh, Chris, you've heard it already. So give us give us your thoughts about like the setup on this, and then we'll go into the interview. Oh, Bill, I mean, it was a really special interview. And right before we started recording just this uh, right now, for those of you listening and watching, I was just saying to Bill how I forgot that I was listening to our own, you know, episode, and then I got t- taken away on on another podcast that I thought I was listening to, and I forgot that this was our episode and the interview that you were doing. And uh, it, it was just, it's, it's mind blowing, you know, it's mind blowing. And it's also very affirming. A lot of the things that I've been thinking about and also studying uh, were definitely confirmed and also opened up into much larger areas of even more further study, which is, of course, the most fun thing and hilarious thing ever, because it's just, it's never ending. I have so much I want to, you know, so much I want to say about it. But I mean, for those watching and listening, you're in for a real treat. So Maury is just a, a plethora of knowledge, but also a phenomenal scientist with a with a really grounded point of view and an open mind, which I find is uh, probably, in my opinion, the most important thing for any uh, great thinker is to be open minded. So, what what a great uh, and thanks, Bill, for doing that because I, I, oh, yeah. I enjoyed I just enjoyed listening so much. I, I was into it too. It was like I got I got to remember to ask this guy a question. <laughs> right. Yeah. I, I want to think about this and and for everybody who's listening or watching, this is long. It's a long one. Uh, we could chop it up, but we're going to leave it long on purpose. It's worth and, it. Uh, it, it. Yeah, it's worth it. It's worth the ride. So mm-hmm. let's get into it, okay? 432 hertz. Let's start there. Okay, so funny thing about 432 hertz. I'm not a fan or a believer in solfeggio or solfeggio. I don't even know how to pronounce it, frequencies. That's close enough. I think, yeah, I think they're all kind of bullshit. Or let me rephrase. I thought they were all kind of bullshit because the evidence that I was reading when I was examining and I continually examine, I continually research frequency. So anything to do with frequency intrigues me, but all the, you know, so-called evidence was experiential, which is actually fine. Just because we don't have some weird device to measure something doesn't mean it doesn't exist. You know, I'm inhaling air. I can't breathe the, or I can't see the oxygen that I'm inhaling. But it's obviously there because I'm yeah, not yeah. gasping, right? Yeah. So I kind of thought it was just bullshit, right? Because I had done the preliminary work and it I didn't see any real evidence. So, and then I tried it too, and I didn't see any benefits. And then I had someone ask me about 432 hertz. 
Have you ever thought, Maury, of doing any of your recordings in 432 hertz? And I said to myself, now, why would I do that? I've, you know, I'm busy enough rather than wasting my time going down a rabbit hole where there isn't even a rabbit there. So I brushed it off. I said, thanks for the suggestion. I'll, you know, I wrote it down and I'll keep it in mind. And, you know, if I have time down the road, I'll look into it, which was really just paying lip service, admittedly. Then about two days later, someone else asked me, you ever thought about doing your work in 432 hertz? And then two days after that, three people asked me in the same day, have you ever thought about doing anything in 432 hertz? At which point I realized maybe I'm being a little close-minded here. And maybe I should try something like that. So before, when I was testing these frequencies, I was actually creating 432 hertz, 5 whatever hertz, I think 528 hertz. Yeah, you know, 528. All the different, yeah, all the different frequencies. And I was just creating frequencies and I was testing them. I was trying them tactile, you know, like actually put a speaker on an area of the body. I was trying listening, just having it come through my ears. I was listening through a subwoofer, you know, trying different techniques and I got no results. It was all a waste of time. So I just assumed it was all a waste of time. And then I said, huh, what if I recreated some of my recordings with the bass frequency, the letter A, of course, 432 hertz? Would that make any difference? Because I had never tried that before, right? I was yeah, just trying yeah. raw. Like I was trying to meet raw. I wasn't barbecuing it. Right. So I decided, all right, too many people are suggesting this and none of these people know each other. So there's obviously a message here that I'm someone's trying to hammer into my head. And I better, you know, check it out before someone actually takes a hammer to my head. And I converted, well, I didn't convert, but I recreated one of my recordings to 432 hertz. I named it the exact same thing, and I had it in a different folder as the original. Then I asked someone, I gave them access on my Google Drive, and I said, just rename both of these to one and two. But don't you write down what they are and hold on to it, but don't tell me. So they did. Now I had the exact same file and they both were labeled one and two. And I started listening. They sounded identical. I couldn't tell a difference no matter how hard I tried to differentiate any kind of a difference. Keeping in mind my recording it was a brainwave entrainment only recording. So there's no vocalizations. There was no subliminals. It was simply tone and background noise, you know, shh. And, yeah, blah, blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. and I'm listening to the background noise. Is there a subtle shift in the frequency? No, I don't notice a thing. Is there a sudden shift in the frequency, like not the pulse rate, but the actual audio frequency or the amplitude or the strength or anything in the tone? Absolutely no difference at all. As a matter of fact, without putting it under a device that can tell whether it's 432 or not, that was the only way to tell. I didn't do that because I didn't want to be, you know, I'm my own guinea pig. So I always test everything out on myself. Right. I was listening to this thing. And again, they both sounded identical. And I would go one day with one, the next day with the other. One day with one, the next day with the other. One of them just seems smoother on my nervous system. I seem to 
fall into the state, the theta state. It was a theta recording. I seem to fall into the theta state quicker, easier, le less harsh. Not that it was harsh, but this was so smooth that it was palpable. Like I could actually feel the other one felt harsh when it never felt harsh, but now it feels a little harsh. And when I listened just to cover myself, I had my wife choose the recording for me. So I didn't even know if I was listening to one or two because I didn't want to get a bias because two maybe sounded better to me. So yeah. now my psychology is getting involved. And yeah. she just recorded each time which one I listened to. So I had no idea what I was listening to. But it turned out I was picking the same recording each time as my preference. Again, even though they all sounded identical. Yeah. So I did more research. And I found out that there's a, a very rich organization, uh, Rothschilds, I think, in the early 1900s, who lobbied to change music's bass tone from 432, which is what it had been forever. Mozart did everything, you know, all these people did everything under 432. But in the early 1900s, like in, around the time of the First World War, I think around then, it was changed to 440. And that brought my back up. I got a little suspicious. Why would a rich organization like Rothschilds or any rich organization for that matter, lobby for a change in frequency like that? When you can't really tell a difference just to listen to it. At least I couldn't really tell a difference. And that got me suspicious. So I started reading more and reading more. And the more I re read and the more I learned, the more I found that it split about 50-50. I don't know if you found this, but I found it was 50-50. 50% of the things I read said, this is like the best thing since sliced bread. Personally, between you and me, I have no idea why sliced bread is such a good thing. <laughs> I like slicing it myself, get the right thickness, whatever you need, right? French toast should be thicker than regular sandwich bread. Good point. Right? I don't see a benefit to that. Yeah. But, and the other half say it's a complete bullshit and there's no difference. Makes no difference whatsoever. Okay, so that's fine. So if it makes no difference, how come a big giant, rich organization wanted to change it well right away my instinct said and this is might be suspicion or whatever but right away my instinct said because it holds back people because the ultra rich tend to want to be ultra rich and they kind of believe that if they are if i have a hundred thousand dollars that's because it's their hundred thousand they could have had that they don't have now because i have it so, so connect some dots. I'm not following this. So they want control. Yeah, they want to control you. So to disempower you, they changed the music to 440 hertz. Because on a subtle level, it affects your energy. It. Oh, it affects your energy. Okay. Yeah. On a subtle level, it must affect your energy. It discomforts you in a way. Why? Like, why? Like, just hypothesize. Okay, you're the detective now, not me. So... You've heard of 432 hertz. You've heard of 440 hertz. You know that since the early 1900s, the standard has been 440 hertz. So the question is, what was it before? Well, you dig a little deeper, you find it's 432. Then you find out, well, why did it change? What possibly could be the reason for anyone wanting to change it? And who brought up the change? Well, now you learned Rothschilds, okay, ultra-rich lobbied for the change and effected the change. 
So now I'm going to shut up and you tell me what you think, what comes to your mind, why the change happened in the first place. Well, I've got a question based on what you've said so far. Can this, our receiving systems, uh, discriminate within a level of hertz in a reasonable way? You may have answered that question because it sounds like we can discriminate within eight hertz. We can discriminate with less than that. We can? Uh, yeah, I believe so. Uh, that's why this switching to 440 hertz is so brilliant because no one will notice. Except that we do. Except that you notice it because it changes how you behave. It changes your behavior. It changes your energy levels. It changes everything about you. That's, I believe, you see, this is me theorizing now, right? Why I'm trying to, trying to kind of imagine the motivation of an ultra rich organization wanting to change something so basic in human nature. What possible reason could a large, powerful organization have for wanting to change something that essentially you can't notice? Except that because, we, we get it. We, we, we because we do it. notice. We, we do just notice don't it. consciously notice. Right. Happens. It affects us, but we don't notice that that's causing the effect. As an example, let me speak English now. You drive a car? Oh, sure. Yeah. Good. Have you ever had a car in your life that rusted through? Oh, right. Yeah. Do you think the day you saw rust on the surface was the first day there was rust on your car? Yeah, there you go, right? This is, in my mind, what they did. They are rusting us out from the inside out. We don't notice because the effect is so subtle and over time. So we don't notice. How many people in their 70s or 80s get really, really, really sick suddenly? Suddenly. Right? They're right. fine. 100%. I've talked to people in their 70s and 80s saying, you got to stop eating this crap. You got to stop drinking this crap. You got to stop this. You got to stop that. And they're going, why? I'm 75. I'm 80. I'm not even on any meds. Because they're rusting and the rust hasn't shown through yet. Right. Right. So my theory is the only motivation a giant organization could have, and I know it sounds so X-Files-ish, right? But- the only reason why they could possibly want to do that change, because they're not making any money by changing it, like not outright. It's not like you have to pay a patent to them to change it to 440 hertz. It's got to be because they know something we don't know. That's the only thing that makes any logical sense to me. So in the early 1900s, how would people have known this? Oh, there are things that were known long time before that, that we don't know anymore. You've ever heard of this guy called Nikola Tesla? Oh, yeah. I was thinking of him as I was asking the question. <laughs> I right? think you projected it into my head. Yep. But that's my point. 90% of his work, at least 90% of his work, we don't even know about. Yeah, gone. Gone. Whether it's been hijacked and is being released in little bits and drabs and pieces to again profit others look we wouldn't have alternating current exactly without right. nikola tesla we wouldn't have hydroelectric power without yep. nikola tesla nikola tesla had ways way back then for free energy by the way i suspect your computer is it hardwired or is it uh wi-fi oh i'm hardwired can't record on okay. wi-fi 
Yeah, we wouldn't have Wi-Fi without Nikola Tesla either. No, I'm, I'm down with all this. I, I wanted to make sure that we tied yeah. it in because the next thing I'm going to say is partly to answer your question. Sure. I have to en en encounter this 432 hertz thing all the time. Yeah. The uh, the standards weren't there before they they agreed on 440. So there was 432. The things were all over the place. It was low in Italy. It was high in England. Uh, orchestras that wanted to sound brighter would go above 440, and uh, audiences got audiences got it right. Yeah. I don't know why everybody immediately got on board with this. That's the curious thing to me, because if I'm a conductor and I want my orchestra to sound a little brighter than the people down the street, right? There's how many orchestras are there in like the East Coast? I'm the New York Philharmonic. I want my sound to be a little bit brighter than Philadelphia. I'm going to tune to 444, you know, um, or whatever. Just pick something that's a little higher. 432 is going to be more, it's going to be have a more mellow sound. So this has always sort of been a choice. And for convenience sake, I mean, if you go to the guitar store and you buy a tuner, it's going to tune your guitar to 440. It's just that's the way it is, right? Yeah. You have to go out of your way. So there is a certain amount of convenience to that. If you play a piano like I do, tuning a piano again is a hassle. It takes a long time, right? You've you yeah. got to hire a tuner to do that. So there, there's these certain um, aspects of it. And then there's the whole thing about how we have to bend notes down at the top level and bend them up at the bottom level in order for things to sound congruent to us. Right. We cannot be completely mathematical across the whole spectrum. You know, we can be okay in the middle, but things change at the ends yeah. because of the way we hear. Uh, so this whole movement to get back to 432, uh, to me, sounds like a, a kind of a red herring. If you want to tune yourself to 432, adjust the flip and playback speed on your computer. <laughs> you know, you don't have to get the entire world on board. You just need to make a change to the way that you hear music. So here's the thing. It. I tested my recording and it showed a benefit. Yes. Yeah, so which one was the one? 432. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. It was just smoother. It was better. It was more effective. So the thing is, remember... We're taught by experts. We're a tabula rasa in the morning, you know, yeah, of our lives, right? When we're born and we get taught things. Look, a lot of people believe in God, not because they actually have a belief in God, but because their parents believed in God and they were brought up going to church or synagogue or mosque or wherever they went, Bingo. you know, yeah. to get their teachings and they get a certain piece from it, right? They get a certain frequency from it. They get something from it. And I think that's wonderful. Whether you believe or don't believe, as long as you're happy, I'm happy that you're happy. So as far as your question about like, how do you, how did you get everyone to adopt it? Easy. Just get all the experts to say it's better. Oh, right. And everyone accepts it. Which, is, which as you've pointed Simple. out, is a 50-50 uh, situation right now anyway. Yeah. Right? Yeah. But funny thing is, I tried it on my triliminals which have me speaking here, here, and here, and right. pulse tones and all kinds of other stuff going on. And it made no difference. Interesting. Absolutely zero difference. Because the, Apparently because the, the resonance is... of my voice, I think it's the resonance of my voice mixing in with it, huh. alters the 440 anyway. Again, theory, I don't know. Don't quote me on it. Or you can quote me on it. I mean, just say Maury's opinion. <laughs> well, no, no, no. It's uh, th This is where we want to go. So um, I've been thinking a lot about this with respect to binaural beats. So if you're in an orchestra 
Yes. And, and you're tuned up to A440 or 432, whatever it is, some part of the orchestra is going to be out of tune. Yes. It just is. Because as, as we, much as we'd like to say, unless everybody in the orchestra had a meter on their instrument, you have to tune by ear. <clears throat> that's correct. That, that's how it works in symphony orchestra. Okay, so some part of you is not in tune. Let's say part of you is out of tune by one or two hertz, only one or two hertz. Mm -hmm. Well, the fact that there's a difference of one or two hertz between members of an orchestra, 80 people, means that what's going to happen? You're going to get binaural beats. There will be a binaural aspect, yes. There will be a binaural aspect to that, just like there is in a piano tuner tuning a piano. Sure. You know? And um, it's going to be a very low, you know, it, it won't be obvious, because most of us don't hear those things, you know, but it won't be like 10 hertz away. It'll be enough <laughs> so that it still sounds like the whole orchestra is in tune. Okay. Sure. So um, here we are listening to the symphony orchestra. We're getting binaural beats. Now, if you go to a regular old concert where everybody is tuned to the meters, you're not going to get any binaural beats. It's 440 bang on or whatever hertz you decide. To, it's 440 right. bang on. So um, back to our symphony orchestra. Th does this mean that when people fall asleep in an orchestra, they're responding to those really low theta state brainwaves, binaural beats. You see, it depends how many how many you know beats is they're off, right? Like if one's tuned to four forty and one turns is tuned to four thirty two, then that's eight. Then that's That'd an be a alpha big difference. frequency. You could hear that. Yeah, that's an alpha frequency, but you may not hear it because think about it: an instrument may not be playing all the time. True. So, and it may not be strong. Sometimes a trumpet is louder than another time. Sometimes an oboe is louder than another time. A violin is louder. Piano is louder. Guitar is louder. You know, all these things have, they're not like a steady tone going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just a background. So you're only going to hear beats here and there. You may, even if you do hear them, you may mistake them for a drum. True, because it will sound like a whoof, whoof, it, whoof. Yeah, it'll have the kind of that bump, 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 uh, yeah. you know, sound. The other thing is keep in mind that the source of the binaural beat is not your ear. So for a proper binaural beat to occur, say 440 hertz, 432 hertz, you get an 8 hertz perception. I call it a ghost image because it really doesn't have much of an effect right? other than to hear it. So you'd hear bump, 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 bump you know, 8 beats per second. But that's with it like this and like this. To have... To me, sitting in the 10th row floors, which is still pretty close to the stage, and then everyone's mic'd, and the speakers are way up here, and over here, and over here, and the ambient noise from their instruments coming out beyond the microphones, too, it's highly unlikely you're even going to notice it. Would that be all. a little bit like your like the spoken over the triliminals, where it doesn't matter what the triliminal pitch is because the speaking the speaking takes over? Well, they're all working together. They all work together. So I'm not saying you're not going to feel an effect from the binaural beats. For instance, mm -hmm. classical music may have a built-in feature, especially when it's orchestral. Like you know, when you have the fifty instruments or hundred instruments going, it wouldn't surprise me if the best conductors in the world actually told different, like the strings tuned to 445, air, you know, uh, tuned to 448, you know, to kind of disjoint it a little bit, just because a lot of people find it very inspirational and very relaxing at the same time. Mm -hmm. And it can be very energetic. I mean, Flight of the Bumblebee as an example. Oh, sure. Right? Like, I mean, that's one of the cool, I'm a rock and roll guy, but that's one of the coolest tunes I've ever heard. 
So, you know, uh, a lot of this is on a subtle, not I wouldn't call it subconscious level because I don't believe in the subconscious, but on a not noticeable level. Right, right. Or you're not going to notice it much like 430 hertz and 440 hertz as a base frequency, but it still has an effect. Again, there's things we don't know have effects, right? but they have effects. Uh, I used to love sitting around a campfire camping, right? Love the smell of the wood. Just beautiful, right? And then about a month, a couple of months ago, all these horrible fires happening just north of me and the sky was yellow. And when you go outside, you get told it's like if you're outside for a few hours, it's like smoking a pack and a half of cigarettes. And it's horrible for you. And then I'm going, well, you know, this kind of smells like when I'm sitting around the campfire. Right. It's wood burning. Isn't it's that a surprise? Burning. The wood burning would smell like wood burning. So we don't necessarily know that that was bad for us. You know, sitting around the campfire. It was actually bad for our health. It was literally like you don't smoke, but you just smoked a pack and a half of cigarettes. Right. Smoking campfire smoke. Right. Yeah. yeah. You just don't know what it does. Right. And you may not notice things. If a mosquito lands on you, most of the time, you're not going to notice until afterwards when the poison, because mosquito injects a little bit of poison that numbs your area so you don't know it's there, so it can grab its blood and take off before you see it and catch it, right? It's nature yeah. at work. Nature's yeah. brilliant how it works. But it's the same idea. The mosquito sucking your blood, and then you're scratching like an idiot for like days later because you didn't notice it, but it still had a major effect on you. Lots of things in our life rust us from the inside out, whether that's psychologically, whether that's physiologically, whether that's, you know, any number of ways. And I think if we try to be more aware of what's going on, and the best way to be aware in my experience, and again, everything I say is just a current understanding. I don't believe in fact or truth. So for me, it's a matter of just try your best to be in the moment. Because ultimately, when tomorrow gets here, it's now. Now is now. If I ask you what you had for breakfast yesterday, you would be saying what you had now. And when you were actually eating it, it was now. Because I defy anybody to chew in the past or to breathe in the future. You can't do it. Yeah. And there's a reason why you can't chew in the past or breathe in the future. Because there is no such thing as the past or the future. There's only That's now. That's why you can't do it. There's always now. Only yeah. now. Period. Only now. Yeah. No, I, I'm, At least I'm that's my current this. understanding. <laughs> and, and you know what? Uh, I will, I'll say for the audience here that I've been using Maury's triliminals um, and with some very interesting results. So I encourage everybody who's out there to try it. I think you're absolutely right about this, Maury, because... If you're resonating for 432 and that's your thing, or any of the solfeggio, I call them tones, but frequencies, you know, if that if that's your thing, go do that. You know, more power to you. Um, our podcast co-host Chris Noble has a 40 hertz thing. 40 hertz is supposed to be great for Alzheimer's and memory and whatever. And I, I actually I have products for that as well. Right. And just before, can you hold your thought? Oh yeah, absolutely. No, that's okay, all I want to perfect. say. So very quickly, I've been seeing research now that actually shows, if you can believe it, tactile stimulation at 40 hertz. Yeah. In other words, these bone conduction headphones. Yep. Okay. 
Hold them right in your here. I created a special attaboy. I create hey, they're this almost the same brand. Too. Yeah. Yeah. So I created a special 40 hertz recording. You hold it gently in your hands with the bone conduction, or you can even just put the headphones on, you know, in the front and the back. Yeah. It kind of looks mohawky or whatever. Right yeah. Yeah. Just the vibration from that has been shown in preliminary research to stop cell death. And after six weeks, I think, to even show improvements in cognition. That's beautiful. On your hands. On your hands. No, no, I hands. get that. You know, piano player. So we like, feel holy everything. crap. It's in the fingertips, right? Yeah. Uh, anybody who holds talking your, about your it, my hand is face, whatever. If you're getting that vibration right there, I mean, I would love to play the string bass, the upright bass, right? The kind you stand with. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that or the cello, because that vibration is right there against your heart. A harpsichord would be good like that too, I think. Yeah, anything that that's good that has a, a, a that creates a, a sensitivity as you touch it. Any instrument that creates the sensitivity. Yeah. Or putting your hands on a speaker. Let's face it, like you know, binaural beats. Um, anything that you can get a vibration against your body, against something you can touch, it's just so incredible. It's just so yeah. important. And of course, touching your eardrums is a big part of that. That's uh, one of the ways it works. So, okay, so here's a here's a question that's been bugging me. This is on, on the topic, but not really, and it, it's related to what you were just saying. So if a tree fell in the forest, would it make a sound? No. There you go. Yes. <laughs> there are and now by three the people way, in the world. That, that's if you're there or not there to hear it. Yes, Doesn't whether matter. you're there or not. And by the way, nobody's been hearing our voices either. True. The brain processes vibration, and you said it yourself. It's the vibration. Put your finger up against or your hand up against the speaker from your computer while you're listening to us talk, and you'll feel vibration. That's what sound, quote unquote, really is. It isn't sound. Sound is a perception of your brain. If you listen to Bill, I love Bill's voice, by the way. If I Thank listen you. to Bill's voice and everyone in the audience listens to Bill's voice, and we all had the ability to record his voice, not on a phone. Okay, but record it from our brain so we could take a like an SD card and shove it in our ear here, press record, and okay, Bill, say something for five seconds. Right. So here is Bill saying something for five seconds that you are now recording on the SD card in your brain. Exactly. So now I pop out the SD card, and everybody in the audience pops out their SD card, and we stick them in a computer reader and we listen. Your voice is going to sound subtly different in every single recording. Every single and that's one. That's because sound doesn't actually exist. Vibration exists. What is vibration? Vibration is energy. According to Einstein, energy cannot be destroyed, it can only be changed. And all of us there change it all the time. All of us change it all the time. I've had that experience so many times. Somebody says to me, Bill, you've got to hear this piece of music, blah, 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 right, right? And I hear it, and I understand how excited they are about it. But I hear it in a completely different way. There's something going around America right now um, that went viral, a song that went viral by a guy. Uh, it's sort of a political song. Sure. Seven, eight million views so far of this three-minute song on YouTube wow. in, in less than a week. And I guarantee you that every one of those eight point whatever million people has heard that song slightly differently. And yet, because we're all listening to the same song, we all think that yeah. everyone else is hearing it exactly the same way. Words right? are the same, by the way. The words are the same. Yeah. But the effect, the vibration, the energy that I receive is different than the energy that the other eight point whatever million people receive from that song. Subtly different. Yeah. Right? 
Of course. And that's cool. I mean, I, I, I like that. But the mistake is to say that, you know, we all heard the same tree falling. <laughs> right. And different perspective. It's all different. You know, words mean different things to different people. Everybody can say they believe in God and everybody's version of God is so polarly opposite that they don't agree at all. Oh, we and all this... walk away smiling, going, okay, I'm glad, you know, so-and-so believes in God. I believe in God. We believe in God. We all believe in God. We're all a big, happy family. Most of our issues, I think, are communication issues. They're problems with how we assume everybody else sees the world, interprets the world, and interprets everything around them the same way we do. They do not. We, you know, COVID became very popular for bringing out that whole thing about being in a bubble. Right. 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 We're in a bubble. We're in our cohort. We're in our bubble. Yeah. Well, I hate to break it to everybody, but we've always been in a bubble, each one of us. And if you're this close to your partner, you're still in a bubble. You're, you're still just a bubble. pushing walls up against each other. That's all, you know, and I think we'd have a much better world, at least more understanding if we realized that just because I have an intention behind something doesn't necessarily make it well-known and it's my opinion despite the fact that i'm a scientist i think the only time i'm truly communicating with someone well is when they are looking into my eyes and i'm looking into their eyes yes. that is a part of human communication that allows us to filter through the bubble to filter through our politics to filter through our religion to filter through our intentions to get that across and people without vision, I believe have a refined sense of smell and a refined sense of hearing or interpreting the vibration that give them that same ability. So if you don't have vision, don't feel left out because you're just getting it a different way. Yeah. And like and there's think... different cars out there, there's different airplanes out there. They all do the same thing though. Uh, current understanding. So I love this term. Would you say that all of us have a different current understanding? even of viewing the same thing, like white paint on a wall? My current understanding would say <laughs> yes. <laughs> you see, okay, look, I'm a scientist. And as a scientist, having a closed mind is the worst thing I can conceive of. I think it's the worst thing. Uh, believing in God, believing in Satan, believing in the tooth fairy, all of that is better than having a closed mind. When I used to believe in fact and truth, why think about something? My view why think about something if it's a fact? There's nothing left to think about. It's already a fact. I have noticed over time and looking at history that much of what we thought was true and factual isn't true and factual anymore because we have better understanding. We have more information. We have different devices that can now measure things. You know, at one point we didn't have a microscope. We thought the smallest thing was... I don't know, a seed, <laughs> you know, then we got a microscope. Now the okay. smallest thing is a, uh, you know, maybe a uh, cell. And then we got an electron microscope. So now the smallest thing is this and the smallest thing is that. And, you know, quanta is now the smallest thing that we can relate to. So in light of the, in light of the <laughs> understanding, I almost did that. You almost did it. Yeah, I almost did it. In light of the, it's a habit. I catch myself sometimes, oh, yeah. other times I look streak it out. But in light of that understanding, I believe that nature is about change. 
nature is about evolution evolution and change they're interchangeable words for me at least meaning truth can't exist because it's constantly changing mountains you look at the mountain outside your house let's say you see beautiful mountains it looks the same to you but every minute that passes they're changing the foliage is growing or burning or changing or the stone through rain or through wind is being eroded away uh the earth has little minor quakes and motions and plates pushing up against each other things are changing all the time i used to have a full head of hair you know things change it is natural for things to change. It is not natural for things to stay the same. That is my current understanding based on the information that I currently have. Because I don't believe necessarily even what I'm saying, beyond that it's an understanding, that keeps me open to new ideas, new concepts, new thoughts. And it means I can learn from anything and everybody because I don't really have an opinion. I just have an understanding that's the one I have right now at this moment. Five minutes from now, I might say something else. I've had clients tell me and customers tell me because I've done interviews for like almost 20 years now. And they've asked me, why should I listen to anything you say? And I say, exactly. Before they get anything else out, exactly. And they go like, I, and then they continue. I heard you in an interview in, you know, 10 years ago, and you're saying totally different things now than you said then. And then I say, thank you. And they're all looking at me like, is this guy crazy? Well, yeah, I am a little crazy, but you got to be a little crazy to live in this world. The thing is, I am constantly picking up new information, new concepts, new ideas. As a matter of fact, I recently picked up the, the concept that there may be, that there isn't, in my opinion, my understanding is there's more than three dimensions. And when I'm looking as an example, I see these, these are uh, blue light glasses. Okay. And you see them, they look like glasses to you too, right? Yeah. And most people will look at them and they go, these are glasses. But what if there was more to see than what we're seeing? What if if I could see a different dimension, how do I know that the way the blue light is being filtered out is some processing unit that's the size of a gymnasium that I can't see? And that's how it filters out the blue light. But for me, I'm assuming because all I see is this, well, there's something in the lens that's filtering out the blue light. That's my understanding because that's what I see. There's that old uh, line, that old riddle about the five blind people. One of them who's like on an elephant, right? One yeah, of them's yeah. touching the tusk. One of them's touching the tail. One of them's touching the snout. One of them's touching the leg. One of them's touching the body. And they all say it's different things. Yes. A different perspective. And they're not, quote unquote, seeing or feeling or being, being made aware of everything that there is. When I started looking at the universe that way, that what we see isn't everything the way it is. As an example, look up into the night sky the next time you don't have clouds, and you'll see all these beautiful lights. There's a very good chance, the odds are, that most of what you're seeing doesn't exist. It has already likely gone nova, burned itself out. Yeah. Because it's so far away, the light hasn't had a chance to reach us yet. When our sun goes nova, 
it will take seven minutes for that light to turn off. I mean, we won't know about it because <laughs> we'll be long gone, but it'll take seven because it takes seven minutes approximately for the light to go from the sun to the earth. We already see the universe in terms that should make it easier for us to understand there's more things in heaven and earth, Horatio, that are dreamt of in your philosophy, as Shakespeare said. Exactly. So, and and I have been finding that when I open my mind to any possibility at all, that means anytime I get an idea, it's because it's possible, not because it's impossible, because it's possible. I have developed certain technologies that were supposed to be impossible, but because I'm not formally trained and taught what's possible and impossible, I figured I have the idea. There's got to be a reason why I had the idea. And doesn't that make sense? Of if course. you have an idea, there's yeah. a reason why you have that idea. Maybe someone implanted it in you when you were a kid. Maybe you uh, just see things. I think it was Einstein who said, there's no such thing as brilliance or genius. Only someone's ability to see something others don't see. I think all of us see things that others don't see. Well, I hope so. Uh, I, I want to ask you about belief here because... Belief is a very comfortable thing. It, it gives you a sort of a grounding. It may be totally bogus, but it gives you a, a level of comfort in the middle of change where you can say, no, I believe this, right? And yet, if change is constant, as we know it is, so how do you speak to someone who is convinced, for want of a better word, that, you know, 528 hertz is the love frequency or that 432 hertz is the, you know, is the resonance of human or any of the other things that have to do with this. How do you speak to someone who is convinced that music has power and is not willing to let go of their conviction? Well, music does have power. You feel it all the time, right? I mean, when you're playing the piano, you feel differently. So it all, yeah, has but that could power. be just Everything a conviction. I'm, you know, it, it could be just our belief in but, energy. But does it, but you see, that's my point. My point is everyone should be a scientist and they shouldn't just accept things. They should try to understand them. That's where I was going. Yeah. yeah. Well, you see, again, you're just throwing ideas into my head. So, because I've got this big trap door open. And it's That's just, my job. Give me more. Give me more. Give so me more. So, related to binaural beats, because there's a lot of belief <laughs> about binaural beats right now. And that's something we, I think at least our, our audience can grab onto that. So, um, okay. So, binaural beats from a self help standpoint, I think are relatively useless. But that's my understanding. Okay. Uh, binaural beats in nature. I think serve a massive purpose. They help you to localize things. And that's one reason why we have two ears, right? One on either side. It's helping us localize and locate things. Uh, the thing is that my understanding is quite simply that everything has a purpose. That's why it's here. That's why you're here. That's why I'm here. Most of our purposes are not that obvious to most of us even if we never discover our purpose i still believe we're living it because that's why you're here when it's time for you to go somewhere else you go somewhere else i think moving into a new home a new city a new town a new apartment whatever is simulating the what we call death experience i ask people sometimes i go why are you afraid to die and most people don't know, but they get this scared look in their face because they don't want to think about it, right? But are you afraid to go to sleep at night? Let me ask you, Bill, are you afraid to go to sleep at night? 
Oh, I welcome that. It, there's no fear in it. There's fear when why? I wake up. You know, I, <laughs> I wake up all anxious, right? But oh why God. is there no fear in it when you go to sleep? Well, I, for the most part, my current understanding, <laughs> good man, is that I believe I will wake yeah. up tomorrow. Right. Right. So, no one, to my knowledge, has died like really died and come back. Like you know, like a year later. Oh right, right. I see. Some people so, have died for a few seconds. Near death experiences. I know one yeah. guy who's seventeen minutes, whatever. But yeah. yes, but no one's gone for like a month or two. Yeah, or a year or two, and then come back. Unless you believe the Bible, and then maybe there's. I think that Lazarus guy was gone for a while or something. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they used to put bells with strings in coffins because medicine wasn't that good, and they thought people were dead, but they were sleeping. <laughs> so. You know, buried alive kind of yep. thing. We have one of those recently. The person was yeah. presumed dead, but they were in some sort of a, you know, suspended. I mean, some kind of coma state. Yeah. That's they had right. To take them up. So you're not afraid to go to sleep, but you're afraid to die. And I'm saying you in the general sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. people personal. in general. So how do we know? Because we don't really know what death is. Death is just a word. That we're not just robots. We're made from flesh and bone and blood and sinew and tissue and all that crap. But a if you go to YouTube and you type in, you know, robot, human-like robot, there's a lot of robots now that look pretty human. Yep. And they can Act move like human humans too. and do yeah. things, right? Androids. So how do you know that your consciousness, that energy that is you, isn't really who you are? Well, and... I, I totally believe that it's not. That, But that's the thing, right? We believe, but we don't know. We don't know. There's no way to know, right? right? But if this is all well, there, there is... there probably that's... are ways to know. We just haven't figured it out yet. Right, right. <laughs> yeah. But that that's all I'm asking. Like right now, you know, when the brain goes dead, we assume that's brain death. Yeah. But how do we know that it's not actually just we're leaving the apartment and going somewhere else? Yeah. And you're, you asked the question, how do we know? We don't know. But so why do believe. we think the we, worst? We, we can believe, right? Because yeah. we feel that there's something more. How about that? And maybe we're right. Yeah. Right? But it's the not knowing that's scary. I think that's what, what creates the fear. I don't think it's the dying that, that scares anyone. I think it's the not knowing what is involved in it. But well, in, even, even for the little stuff. I mean, first day of school. Remember yeah. your first day of school, right? Not knowing. Good it's point. Scary, right? It is. That's right. And the thing is, why can't we be more like kids, though? Like, I think we can make a choice. I think we can be excited by what comes next. As oh, I agree. And by it. the way, we should not say it's knowing. We should say not experiencing it. I like that. Because there's a difference between what you, you know, what's above the neck and what's below. Once you've experienced it, I mean, you can talk about, you can study swimming, you know, for a long time. But until you experience being in the water, yeah, you're not going to swim you will not know how to swim. <laughs> That's an excellent point. You know, your current understanding might be excellent, but you're not in the water yet. But that would be part of your current understanding is that you're not in the water yet, right? Yeah, provided that you were able to say that, provided you're not a fish and you don't know the difference. Assuming a fish doesn't know the difference. Assuming a fish, which of course we haven't been able to ask any fish yet, but... That's right. I mean, I've talked to fish sometimes when I was smoking a lot of pot when I was younger. <laughs> and I think they were answering me quite frankly, but I don't really know. Maybe not. Maybe I've been answering myself. 
But that's the thing, right? We make a lot of assumptions. And I shouldn't say we. I make a lot of assumptions. I can't talk for other people. But my guess would be that humans tend to make a lot of assumptions. Uh, I I love self-help people who get on a, you know, get on their pulpit and start, you have to do this. You have to do that. We do this. We do that. No, I don't have to do this. And no, I don't have to think that. If you want to be stuck in your little drama, go ahead. If it makes you happy, I'm happy for you. But don't drag me along in there. That's not where I want to be. You know, I went through the first 40 years of my life depressed, dark. I used to wake up every morning, literally stand on my bed, open the blinds or the curtains, whatever it was, fingers crossed, hope I would see mushroom clouds. Because at that time, I had gone through six suicide attempts. Obviously, I didn't really want to die, right? I mean, one would be enough if I really right. wanted. If it worked. Yeah. So, and it didn't work because I really didn't want to die. And when I realized I couldn't find a way to die, I had to find a way to live. But I had an affirmation that I must have said hundreds of thousands of times, life is a disease for which there is no cure but death. That was my affirmation. A little dark, but accurate. I think it's like a Hallmark greeting card. Everyone should give this for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I mean, it's disgusting, but it has a certain feel to it for someone who hates life. True. And it's the cards he was dealt. Yeah. And a lot of people can relate, unfortunately. Yeah, especially more and more of us, actually. Yeah. And that's yeah. part of why I do what I do, because I'm hoping that I can get out to more and more people so that they more and more people know about what I do. Because what I do is relatively inexpensive as far as the options go. It doesn't require special equipment. It doesn't even, you know, I even tested these out when I found out about the tactile stimulation. These actually are expensive. They cost almost 200 bucks. But I ordered off of Amazon these. Right. Yeah. Also bone the, conduction. The $17 then, kind. Yeah, there you are. Exactly. I'm in Canada and these things cost me 12 bucks. Yeah. Okay. So in the US funds, that'd be what a look about a nickel or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So I'm the moving thing to is, Canada, man. Now that's it. So now I make sure that people understand that they can get these and benefit from them too, because they don't have to. And they're actually quite good. Like even if you want to listen to music or whatever, they're not bad. Oh yeah, they work great. Yeah. Runners, so, swimmers. I use mine in the pool. Yeah. And they were like under 20 bucks, right? Yep. Yep. So that's affordable. So you don't need special equipment at all. You just need a player. Anyone who's going to hear about my work is going to hear about it on their computer or on their phone or on their tablet. So they already have something to play it on. On their right. They don't need right. anything special. Yeah, that's it. If you do need headphones, 10 bucks, 15 bucks is all you need to spend. And if you're already spending a couple hundred on my work or a hundred on my work, which is not expensive at all then you know and it's lifetime it doesn't have a best before date it doesn't get used up and then you have to buy another bottle of it at the end of every month and by the way it doesn't we'll lose its effectiveness and it doesn't lose its effectiveness over time i use the same recordings today that i used 30 years ago and they still work just as well as they did originally living proof right here yes thank you yeah. We'll link you in so that uh, people can find what you do and all that and and reach a level of current understanding that's different than where they are today. I just want them to be more comfortable. You know, I think oh, yeah. that we have sensors built in 
you know, there's sensors that will tell you how bright it is outside, you know, the lumens, the, the tell you the decibels for sound and the frequencies and the notes and everything, all that stuff. But the best sensors ever designed were designed by nature. And they're in your gut, they're in your heart, they're in your head. And I believe that if we pay attention to them, they will give us all the information we need. When we're happy, there's a reason. When we're sad, there's a reason. When we're in pain, there's a reason. And all of the reasons are good. They're there to tell you, you're doing or thinking the right thing, hence I'm happy. I'm doing or thinking the wrong thing, hence I'm sad. I broke a bone, hence I'm in pain. Imagine if you broke your leg and you didn't feel pain. You may not go to the doctor and get it set and maybe put in a cast and then get physio and all these things. You know, you do all of that because of pain. Pain was your friend. It saved your leg. Now you can walk normally six, you know, a few weeks, maybe six weeks later, eight weeks later, you're walking better. You're healing really nicely. Or maybe you lose your leg because it gets infected or you can't walk because it's, it heals on an angle because it's broken, but you don't think there's anything wrong because you don't feel any pain. Pain is our friend. If we look at it as a friend, if we look at it as an enemy, we do this and we don't learn anything from it. Yes, so yes. my opinion is, again, now is all we have. We don't have the past. We don't have the future. Pain, our experiences, whether we're happy, whether we're sad, all these things are there for our benefit. They're not there to hurt us. But we're taught Go to an expert. Don't think for yourself, right? Go to an expert. Sometimes thinking for yourself will tell you to go see an expert. <laughs> and that's good. My wife had two autoimmune issues, acute hemolytic anemia and Evans syndrome. Evans syndrome is so dangerous and rare that they don't even do research on it because so few people get it. She's been considered cured for like 10 years now. And the reason is she did what the doctor suggested. And our doctor's amazing, by the way absolutely amazing very grateful uh probably saved her life really but she didn't just go to the doctor and go yes doctor yes doctor yes doctor our doctor doesn't color her hair anymore our doctor eats better you know why because when she first saw us she thought my wife would last three to six months that was 12 13 years ago she could donate blood now my wife okay and the reason why she doesn't, the doctor doesn't color her hair anymore and eats better and takes care of herself and doesn't use perfumes and all that other crap anymore, like Febreze and all that garbage, is because my wife told her while she was getting treatment from the doctor, she was looking and researching herself too. She was taking responsibility for her own health also. And we stopped using air fresheners and we stopped using colognes and perfumes and we stopped using cleaners. We use, you know, if we want to lose or use a really strong cleaner, we use vinegar. If we want it weakened, we mix it with water. You know, if we want to freshen the air, we open the windows. Maybe bring some pine needles in and toast them. You know, that kind of a thing. We don't use, you know, every time I see a commercial for Febreze where the people are going, you know, they're smelling their towel or their shirt that has been sitting for like five weeks or eight weeks and it still stinks, still smells like nature. That's poison. Those plugins, they're poison. Hair color, poison, even natural. Look, there's a lot of natural things that are deadly. So just because it's natural doesn't mean it's good for you. You know, 
People need to use their sensors, in my opinion. My current understanding says we should all be using our sensors. And they will tell you what's good for you and what's not good for you. Because maybe, look, peanuts are great for me. They're a great source of oils, of fiber, of, uh, you know, protein. But they could give someone else anaphylactic shock and kill them. So we we do have variations in what's good and bad for each other. But listen to your body, listen to yourself. How many people, and I'm sorry, I'll get off the I'll get off the curtain in a second here, but how many people eat hot spicy food, get horrible heartburn, and then they take heartburn medicine to get rid of the heartburn? Now there's other people who eat hot spicy food and nothing happens. They're fine. The people who are fine, their bodies are saying, this is good for us. This is okay. The people who get heartburn, their body is saying, stop torturing me. This is why I'm giving you pain and discomfort to tell you this is not good for you. So instead of listening to what your body is telling you, I'm going to take pills instead to get rid of the symptom. So I'm going to gag my body and my brain. And I'm going to say, shut up. I don't want to hear it because I love this taco. Taco I Tuesday, people. I don't understand that either. Yeah. That, that is one of the one of the most useful sentences to have in your arsenal right now, people. I don't understand. Because it opens you to curiosity. Yeah. Which has kind of been the point of, of, of talking to you, Maury, because uh, Chris and I have done a bunch of hurts specific stuff we've done solfeggio tones done binaurals you know it's it's part of the conversation if you're in the healing music business you know those are things that you need to um, understand and embrace and question whether they work for you like notice the effects right this is so important notice the effects and be willing to ask the question right yeah be willing to ask you are your own guru right Remember that. That's right. You are your own guru. Listen to your body. Listen to your mind. Listen to yourself. You can ask people their opinion. Certainly, if you're inspired to, you should ask. Oh, yeah. Opinions help. But but don't take them verboten. You know, don't take them by their word because they can only be an expert in themselves, not in you. And that includes what we say here today. Right. Especially what I said here today. (laughs) And, and, you know, and, and what Chris and I say all the time, but it's got to come from experience. It's got to come from experience. And if your experience is different, that's cool. It doesn't mean you're wrong. It means it's different. You yeah. heard it differently. And you're supposed to, I believe. And you're supposed that's to. why we're different. You know, uh, Bill, if you were exactly me, we'd both be very bored and no one <laughs> would ever tune into this podcast. <laughs> right. But because we're different, we may agree on certain things, but we're inspiring each other to say things and to think a certain way. Yes. And that's the whole trick, right? I have people tell me sometimes, and, and they, I understand where they're coming from, so I'm not judging them, even though this is going to sound like I'm judging them. Uh, they will quote experts. They'll quote Wayne Dyer to me. They'll quote Deepak Chopra to me. They'll quote Oprah. They'll quote Tony Robbins. They'll quote you know, Nikola Tesla, they'll quote this person or quote that person. No offense, but if I want to know what all these people are saying, I'll ask them or read their books. 
if you're going to mention something about them, tell me what you think about what they said or what you read. Don't just parrot back to me, you know, what I could have read myself. Tell me what you think about it. Because that's that's what I'm interested in. I want to know what you think, even though it sounds like I've already made up my mind on everything. <laughs> I'm with you on that. Repeaters make me nuts. Yeah. And there are whole practices based on being repeaters. Right. And and some very useful ones. And, and to Tony yeah. Robbins himself, right? He figured out how to repeat NLP in a way that the rest of us could understand. Yes. Greg Braden has figured out a way to repeat science in the way that the yeah. rest of us can understand. And they've made fantastic uh, changes in the world because people can understand that stuff. Yeah. Which is really, really critical right now. That you know, it, it changes current understanding. Yeah. But we're talking about the people who come at you and all they've got is quotes, right? They're like a walking meme. <laughs> 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 all there is is love right but they but they have the beginnings of of creative creative thought yeah we they they i would like to think if any of them are listening to this that they don't get hurt or insulted instead they get inspired because i'm not saying what you're doing is wrong i'm saying you're not giving me everything that i want from you i want you in here yeah. Don't just give me Tony Robbins. Don't just give me Deepak Chopra. Give me you. Give me you. That's where I see the value. I see the value in interpretation. And again, I see value in evolution, in change. And nothing changes if we all just say and do exactly the same thing. So, so take what I, look, my work in entrainment is unique and innovative. And someone else is going to innovate what I do. As long as I'm alive, I'm going to keep innovating what I do too. But that's the whole point it didn't work for me. Entrainment should have helped me. It didn't. I had to innovate it. I had no choice. So that's the point. What, what is it right now that you're, that you're innovating on? Like what's the next thing wow. that's lighting you up? I have 50 different things I'm working on at the same time. And some people would say, well, where's your focus? My focus is on each individual thing I'm working on specifically at the moment. I've come up with a way to make entrainment subliminal and make it work. That's not supposed to be physically possible, but I had the idea. So I thought of it and I've come up with a way to do it. I've, I'm working on ways like, for instance, I'm working on tactile stimulation technologies now. So not just sound. I'm looking at new ways to program what I away people away from what I call the negative reflexive thought process. Triliminals are the first step in that direction because they work to help people stop reflexively going to that negative place. And even when something happens that they're kind of forced into that negative place, like let's say there's a illness or a death in the family or something that happens suddenly, people tend to be able to recover faster. You know, and that's the whole goal. The goal here is to is that I believe every human mind and brain has everything it currently needs and will ever need. Period. It's all there. Work like mine and work like so many other people out there, because I think there's so many good things out there. My work is great, sure, but there's a lot of great out there. <laughs> there really is. And I, th I believe that our work is there to help people it's kind of like a superintendent in the building and he's got this giant or she has this giant key ring 
with like hundreds and hundreds of keys on it. And each key has a purpose, right? It unlocks and opens up possibility. And that's kind of what I see my work as and other people's work as. I don't know if they see their work that way, but I do. I see it as an avenue to unlock the hidden potential or the maybe non-conceived potential. Again, we're taught to believe we're limited. We're taught to believe we're stupid. We're taught to believe we're not creative. We're taught to believe it's impossible to fly. But I believe that by altering our neural chemistry a little bit, and believe it or not, a lot of our neural chemistry comes from our gut. So what you eat is just as important as anything else. But I believe that if we can start unlocking some of those doors, it's amazing what we're going to see there. I mean, just imagine you go to a new, you go to a hotel you've never been to before and you walk in, you've never seen the lobby before. Now you see the lobby. Oh, isn't it beautiful? The marble, the ornamentation, all this stuff. And you walk into your room, you flash your card. You know, it used to be a key, right? <laughs> but you flash your key card and you open the door. You've never seen what's inside before, but you see a clean bed. You see a beautiful desk, a nice television, you know, maybe nice wallpaper or something. All these things you've never seen before. But how many people stop and smell the roses? How many people stop and appreciate all these things they've never seen before? And how many people stop to think, you know, everything about my life could be looked at exactly the same way as a beautiful piece of art that I've never seen before. And how does the world look different when I start looking at the world that way, as opposed to being afraid about what I'm going to see in that next door that I open? What about all the times I've gone into places and seen beauty? You know, you're walking downtown with your partner and you see a handsome man or a beautiful woman. And you're not thinking doing them. You're appreciating their beauty. That's it. It's beautiful. It's a wonderful thought. Why is this not our reflex? Why is our, I mean, part of that is probably nature to keep us on our guard all the time so that, you know, because there was a time when we had to be afraid about being attacked by wild animals all the time and things like that. But what if we didn't have to be that way? What if we saw potential everywhere? My wife freaks out. We go for walks. I talk to anybody and everybody. 15-year-old kid, I'll chat him up. 13-year-old girl, I'll chat her up. I actually had cops approach me once because I was chatting up a young girl. I wasn't trying to meet her. My wife was right there beside me. Something silly happened and we both giggled at the same time. It just started a little five-second conversation or five-minute conversation. Cop stopped. Everything okay here, young lady? She goes, yeah, I just chat talking. You know, but they thought, could they see an older guy, right? Oh my God. We're, what are we going to do to this poor, innocent young thing? Well, you know what? We're going to enjoy five minutes together. That's what we did. And that's all it was. I don't know her name. She doesn't know my name. We'll probably never see each other again. But for those five minutes, it was a pleasant exchange of energy. I want to help people. I want to be one of the many things that helps people, that inspires people to stop and smell the roses. To stop and smile. If you are walking anywhere and you happen to make eye contact with someone, smile immediately a guy a girl an old man an old lady 
a dog, a cat, a bird, whatever. Where's the harm? There is no harm. And it might just make you feel this. I mean, look, I'm talking about this. I'm kind of painting a visual picture for you. And anyone who's watching this, I hope you noticed Bill's face over the last few minutes. He's got this smile he can't get rid of. This is the energy I want. I've got it too. I feel this energy in me. It's like, I got to shut up already. But honestly, I feel this energy in me. It just makes me feel so good. I want you all to feel that good. You're supposed to feel that good. That's why it feels good. Nature has designed your sensors to say, you're thinking the right thing, you're doing the right thing. When you feel good, keep doing what feels good. When you don't feel good, when it feels uncomfortable, when you doubt yourself, take a few steps, a few breaths and think about it first. Again, current understanding. Don't take my word for the word of anything. You know, hopefully I'm here to inspire a little bit, but the inspiration I want is not to inspire you to act a specific way, it's to inspire you to think your own way. That's all. Welcome back, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to that incredible interview. And I know myself personally, I was just right making notes the whole time I, i've got so many rabbit holes that i now need to go explore thanks to maury's incredible insight and you know thank you bill for those questions that you asked that led us on some of these incredible rabbit holes i mean before i give you my thoughts on all of this uh, amazing uh, topics that were discussed and all this new information you know what what were your thoughts right after finishing that that interview how, how did you feel about the whole conversation you know every time i talk to maury it's it's something new, you know, something, some new awareness comes. And he likes to say current understanding. He's changed my current understanding in the short time that I've known him, a couple of months now. I'm using his triliminal, uh, quantum triliminal recordings. Uh, it's amazing what they can do for you. Remember, we've talked about the 40 hertz thing. It's a little bit like that, but in a different way. And uh, his, his practical experience with brainwave entrainment is far and away superior to anything that I've heard claims or otherwise about binaural beats and frequencies and all that. It's like that this is the next level stuff. And that's where I felt coming off of this. It's like, you know what? I've heard him talk. I've experienced his his product, right? His recordings. And I've heard him explain that again. And every time I speak with this guy, something new, some new insight comes, you know, into play. And I know you can see it on my face. There's some of the things in there when I'm going, what? Huh? Or this can't be right. You know, but uh, that's the curiosity factor, right? We got to trust people who have the ability to think that far outside the box and see where the, see where it takes us. And there's nothing wrong with, <clears throat> excuse me, not even necessarily fully agreeing or right, yeah, yeah, understanding. It's more just that the conversation is so fruitful because it opens up these questions and these ideas and you know we can all have our own different thoughts well that's what you guys were talking about just with how you listen to the same piece of music everyone's going to interpret differently so what he was saying it doesn't mean we have to agree on everything it's more just that it presented these ideas and new directions that we can take our understanding of my god life life uh, itself sound <laughs> just Wow. It just and, you know, we set you all up for this a couple episodes ago, talked about busting assumptions. And and I think it's important if we want to continue to grow as healers, as people, to not stand too firmly on our beliefs and to push our assumptions. And Maury has a way of doing that that can be in your face, but it's also, it, it inspires curiosity, I feel. 
you know, when I get that little uncomfortable feeling like he's saying something I don't quite agree with, I pay attention because that might be the next moment of growth for me. I mean, that's how I feel we're meant to grow as a species is to have different, I mean, I love diversity. Um, you know, I'm back visiting my hometown of Toronto, Canada here, and it's one of the most diverse cities in terms of ethnicities on the whole planet, very similar to New York City as an example. And I, you know, I'm reminded growing up, I'm like how fortunate I was to have grown up in such a mixed diversity with so many different opinions on life, religion, uh, science, and everything else in between because I got to get all these different perspectives that make me a better person that make me more, more well-rounded and I think contribute to me being more open-minded because I know there's so many different ways to view life and that's what Maury was bringing in where it's just more these diverse thoughts and, and ideas and it really you know solidified a lot of things for me the one big one that was really wonderful to hear though is how important experiential you know um, information is because with my journey with using 432 hertz, it's mostly based on the experiential. I've, I've done the research and I've, I've gotten a small body of, of information that helps support scientifically the whole 432 hertz thing. But as we both know, it's still a difficult area if we're going to go in front of a scientific jury to prove this. Uh, but at the end of the day, what really matters the most is does it have an effect and a positive effect? And it does for me and it always has. So that's always been my underlying reason. And to hear him kind of reinforce that right, as like, yeah. that is so important. We don't always get all the information, but if we feel a certain way, we need to pay attention to that. Yeah. Right. Turn, tuning ourselves up, you know, like tuning our resonance awareness. It's we're going to resonate anyway. Right. But, but becoming yeah. more aware of how that's happening inside of us is really crucial. And uh, you can't get that from reading about it. You got to jump in the pool to swim, you know. Yeah. So, and, and it's not going to hurt you, you no. know. And no. if you don't notice any difference, that's cool. If you notice a difference, you know, go with that. And uh, you know what he had to say about frequency was really inspiring in that sense. Very. Especially around four thirty-two, right? Mm -hmm. And however it came to be, you know, whatever the conspiracy theories behind it might be, it, it doesn't matter. How do you today? How do you feel? when you hear music that is it a, a tuned to a slightly different reference pitch, right? How does that work for you? Yeah. And, and what he was talking about, uh, the 40 Hertz, another, uh, that was another just beautiful light bulb that went off for me where we've talked about it on quite a few episodes. It's one of our favorite pieces and frequencies that seems to really have quite an effect. And there is that preliminary research, but ultimately the reason we're both so crazy about it is because it really truly seems to have, an effect but then once again Maury adds to this where he's like oh it's also really helpful for cell repair and 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 repairing the cells in your body i was like oh my god really yeah because i thought it was all neurological but of course why wouldn't it be you know more full body and and in going into the the cells in your body um but specifically 40 hertz and specifically how it has this regenerative um sort of uh process or, or outcome yeah, that yeah. really was really fascinating to hear that too. I love that bit of information. I should probably say for the listeners who don't know Maury's work that um, the triliminal experience is three voices, one in each of your ears that are doing like affirmations and one up at the top of the field that's more like in the center or at the back of your uh, sound field, all talking different things at the same time. 
And that is supported by, um, I don't want to call it noise, but there is a structured kind of a hissing sound or humming sound behind that that you can barely perceive. And you listen to these things at pretty low volume, right? So the, it's there, but it doesn't have to be like present. I, I turn it up just enough so that I can hear the voices clearly in all three places. And is it, are you using those special headphones for that? I don't actually use the special headphones. I've, I've got just a pair of old Sony studio phones that I use. Oh, that's great. Okay, And, cool. you know, it, earbuds, I don't really care to listen to things in earbuds. So, so the actual process of doing this is not one where you can identify a particular hertz value. Uh, it's not one where you can even identify a particular beat. Like you don't get a, a feeling of binaural beats. It's just this sort of low uh, hissing humming sound that supports what's happening in the, in the triliminal affirmations. And um, in that state, I mean, frequency matters, right? But in that state, it's it's a background thing. It, it's it's working on you in a way that you don't actually perceive as being a particular uh, tone, if that makes any sense. So just so people get clarity on that. And how has that made you feel like you've been able to now experiment with this? And I'm really curious to hear like what what were you using it? If you don't mind sharing, like what were you using it to. for? And, and how do you now feel having used it for, I think you said at least a month now? Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been in this for a while. So the recordings are about 30 minutes long, 35 minutes long. And uh, I have fallen asleep during them. I've gone into that theta state, you know, where it's like, oh, you know, slightly <laughs> above, slightly above complete sleep, but slightly below conscious awareness. And um, in that state, the affirmations work. And there's affirmations for gratitude, for releasing stress, for just, you know, whatever they are. And, and each of the affirmations is the 34-minute chunk. And uh, what Maury suggests when you're listening to these is to listen to two flavors. So maybe I'll listen to gratitude and I'll follow that by uh, re release stress or some other form. And I've got about, I don't know, it's giving me about eight of them so far now to play with. And um, I noticed when I first started doing it that I had some resistance, but very quickly my system adjusted to be more welcoming to that. And it's, I kind of crave them now, you know, and when I don't get a chance to listen to them on a day or whatever, I'm like, oh man, I didn't have time. I didn't make time <laughs> you know, to listen to the triliminals yet. And, uh, I got triggered too. The first time I l listened to release stress, I got really agitated and I can't tell you why. I mean, the affirmations are all positive, but it, it really bugged me. And then I listened to other stuff and about a week later I went back. And the next time I listened to it, I had just this welcome release that was remarkably, I mean, I have no expectations on these things, right? I just sort of show up and see what happens and they've really become um, important to me in a way that I didn't expect. That's amazing. And, and, and when you're listening to these, are you actively listening and like, are, do you lay down you oh, know, with right. the headphones on, or are you able to do things while you're like, how do you listen to it? I wouldn't suggest like operating heavy equipment, <laughs> you know, I, I think they work best. And I, and more would probably agree with this when you're sitting still, uh, I've listened to some of them lying flat up, flat on my back. I've listened to some of them sitting in a, a comfortable chair. It doesn't seem to matter, but as long as I'm still, I can often go into that state like I did with the 40 Hertz, right? It seems like my system wants to go to that place where it's, it can shut off 
active perception and be present with whatever is coming in, whether that's music that I'm listening to or the triliminals. And, and uh, so I, I would, I would suggest not using them being active. You know, it's not like exercise music, right? It, this is definitely work and work that you need to do uh, in a state of rest and presence. Okay. So listeners, viewers, take that in. Um, these are the great ways that you can take these amazing pieces that I, I can't wait to listen to myself um, and just really experiment with this because it just keeps getting, I find this understanding just gets deeper and deeper now that this whole area is opening up. You know, I'm, I'm continuing to get more and more people interested in meditation music, but of course, far, I, I just call it meditation music because it's a much easier blanket term that people can kind of grasp. But it's not music music. It's something a little different. There's a functionality to it. And more and more people are realizing this. You know, I'm even speaking to, um, I know there's a nonprofit in Chicago that's revamping a lot of the schools in Chicago's, instead of having a detention center, they're having what's called a peace room. And um, I'm, it's not confirmed yet, but I might be writing some music for these peace rooms as an example. It's beautiful. Yeah, amazing. I mean, just the fact that I, I just love the fact that this is a conversation I'm even having, regardless. Right, exactly, of, right? Regardless of even, yeah, like, I mean, this is where the world is, he is headed. You know, we're moving in this direction of um, not just alternative modalities for healing and medicine, but alternative, alternative in a way, ways of viewing reality. Because when you start to look at everything in terms of frequency, vibration, and sound, just like Nikola Tesla, you know, that's where things really start to shift because we realize we are, uh, are a, a series of vibrations, millions of vibrations combined to create our physical bodies. Everything inside of us is in a state of vibration, outside of us, all, et cetera. Once we start to look at that, then we really can start to look at these things like the binaurals, like the even the white noise or the brown noise or these sounds that every every single thing we're doing the tuning whether it's to 432 or 444 or to 528 or all of these things have a function and a, and, a, and, a, and a purpose and we're just starting to actually now start to piece them together mix them up together and just like anything in life like food as an example there's there's infinite amounts of combinations we can do with all these right. things that yes. are going to create an infinite amount of tastes and experiences right so we're just starting to maybe almost rediscover this side of life and listening to people like uh, maury talk about this you just start to really for me it unravels almost like a future even though i know he's he talks about past and present or past and future don't really exist and i do agree with that but more just when i do look ahead at a potential timeline in the future it makes me very excited because i see a lot more of life and in the general public starting to really grasp this idea of that everything is sound and therefore let's use sound to do anything eliminate your headache relieve stress give you energy for the rest of your day etc cetera, etc cetera. It's so foundational. On. Exactly. You know, without vibration, uh, none of this would hold together. None of it. You know, we wouldn't have solid, well, I mean, we wouldn't perceive things as solid. Yeah. <laughs> right? We wouldn't perceive ourselves as, you know, the bags of bones and skin, right? Uh, the perception, of course, being in the eye of the beholder, which is completely backwards from how it probably is in actuality. You know, if we were able to perceive 
that or the current understanding is the current uh, understanding he right. says and i really love that too you know he, i i totally agree with him like i've always considered myself someone who's always striving for truth and to find truth but now even now even now and listening to the to your interview with him i'm like well that's something i have been thinking about because the truth always changes <laughs> right right it's it changes with current understanding. So facts exactly so I mean, even that's something i gotta let go of you know who was the dude copernicus you know had us at the the sun at the center of the universe and yeah and um man we've come a long way since then but the the ironic thing with with that specific example with copernicus and the sun at the center um now i think he was saying maybe the sun revolved around us at that i can't remember if that was him, but oh, I know Galileo. Somebody had the, Galileo busted it, right? He busted that. Um, I don't know about Copernicus, but regardless, you know, when he says the sun is the center of the universe, now we look back and there, there's there's actually an argument to support that because when you look, we're looking at the universe and it's, it's ever expanding, it's basically infinite. So if you think about it from a perspective standpoint, we are at the center. <laughs> yeah, I mean, from where we stand, in a theory, you know, like from where we stand, it is the center because that is our perspective. And if it's in an infinite universe, there is no center. So you could just say we are the center because that's not exactly wrong either. So it's just, again, this is just an example of the constant change and flow of what we perceive as fact and truth and all of that stuff. So it's, it's, I think for me, if anything, it's just opened up my mind to be even more open to crazy or not so crazy ideas. Yeah, it's new ideas anyway. New ideas, exactly. And new ideas that are not yet proven by science. Uh, I was thinking this morning about Stoicism again, which is ancient, I mean, mm -hmm. relatively, right? So Greek. And the, the change in modern scientific thought around post-traumatic stress which is now based on research that says stress, post-traumatic trauma itself is a doorway to growth. And so the research is now focused on post-traumatic growth. And Marcus Aurelius will be looking at that and going, hey, you guys, it's about time, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? Oh, my God. No, so back in the day, and it wasn't like Stoicism was a fringe movement. It wasn't in the mainstream. But, you know, Stoics were were crazy ascetics right they they didn't have like the mainstream attention in ancient greek but they're starting to gain more of it now right now that science has finally come along and supported some of the ideas that otherwise were thought to be crazy it's been thought to be crazy for a thousand years although they have plenty of adherents yep. who actually understand them and believe them and get it through their own personal experience right their current That's understanding based on their exactly. own life right yeah. which is which is uh, part of the brilliance of what maury's offering he's like don't believe me just try it for yourself and that's where I, I always respect people more when they're like, you know, don't take my word for it, you know, experiencing it for yourself. And, and, and that's what I'm all about, too. That's why I say with my music, I'm like, I don't know, it, it might resonate with you, it might not, you know, just turn it on. Yeah, it and, doesn't and, bother me. Yeah. You know, if, if it works, right? Yeah. Hey, um, what was the most surprising thing for you out of the whole um, hour and a half that Maury gave us? It's a great question. Um. I think for me, it was, I, I was surprised at how, at just the, the depth of complexity that there still is in almost receiving these types of frequencies. And what I mean by that is like, we've, we, we, you know, we've got these things like the binaurals, the solfeggio, the tuning of the instruments, that's all. And, and that was already what I was learning through him was already kind of blowing my mind already on top of that, but it's just how 
it's it is like I think it, it maybe was surprising because it it led me to a, a sort of a re-understanding of how important it is for the individual experience and oh, how right, much yes. it's so specific to the person even though we're coming through we're coming across some commonalities and some patterns that of course you want to recognize but the same the same level it all it all comes down to that individual experience but it's really interesting and i and i i was pretty surprised to hear how he had all of these different people in his life that didn't know each other and had no connection all asking him to research 432 which is always really fascinating when it's like all these different people saying the same thing okay that's interesting and then when he was demoing it on other people i think his wife as well it was interesting how when it was a blind test to that degree right it, it kept coming back the 432 just seemed to be the one that so it was it's a cool i was i was really surprised at how one on one level how individual each experience is and how everyone's going to receive these frequencies a little differently and at the exact same time how these individuals all said the same things about one particular frequency which is for me almost even more important than what's the science you know what's right the yeah, science i get you it? the experience and, and this is a huge lesson i think we were at the <laughs> crazy things in the world this moment we're at the with that moment where the experience your individual heuristic understanding is vital it's no longer enough to take somebody's word for it regardless of what they stand on you know 2000 years of scientific inquiry or um you know 20 years of scientific inquiry in maury's case it doesn't matter if if you can experience it for yourself that is your current understanding. I hate to say the word truth, but you know, that is true for you. And it's important as healers in this world, I believe, that we encourage that. We really encourage that. Because a fix is nice. Don't get me wrong. I'll put a band-aid on when I cut myself. But I want to find growth. I want to go beyond that. And you can't grow on somebody else's current understanding. You've got to grow your own. Yeah, your own truth. Your it's like your own story, your own uh Mm, mythology in a way right? yeah if, yeah you know? i mean for want of a better it, it is metaphorical because we can't really get it you know physically we look back later and say oh that's what happened but we have to stay with the um the metaphor to make it work and just the fact like you were like you said or he had random people coming to him around 432 and they all chose the same thing yeah Maybe we spend so much of our time resisting the quantum entanglement based upon whatever list of reasons that we miss it when all we have to do is just shut up and listen <laughs> and it will come find us. Yeah, I, I completely agree. And you know, I'm, now I'm curious too, like what, what stood out? I mean, there's so many things from that interview, but what stood out for you as something maybe that was the most challenging to wrap your head around or something that you just really had no idea about until you heard it from him. You know, it, it wasn't so much what he said, Chris, but it's how he says it. Mm, yeah. uh, I've met too many scientists and clinicians and they have incredible credentials and they have done incredible research, but they don't have the openness and curiosity in the main that Maury does. And when you speak to him, when you hear him, when you watch him in this interview, you can see that he's not coming from a, a rigidity and from a, this is the right answer, you know, kind of a place. 
he's coming from, well, gosh, you know what? This is what happened to me. And, and the way that he conveys that, like the music in the way that Maury operates in the world, to me was surprisingly clear and free of any artifice. Now, sometimes you talk to citizen scientists and they're, they're not that, right? Uh, I can't think of any examples off the top of my head, but I want to say some of the people in the, in the cryptocurrency world have this intractable, prophetic basis about what they know, what they do, that can come across as very close-minded. I don't feel that from Maury at all. And that was totally surprising to me because, as, well, you know, you've done a lot of citizen science inquiry, archaeology, that kind of thing. People can get pretty hung up on their belief sets and and it, justifiably so. I mean, I really respect that. I don't want to, I don't want to denigrate that anyway. But because uh, we need both kinds, we need people who are applied researchers in the sciences, and we need people who are citizen scientists who are doing the same kind of work and testing it through their experience and the experience of those that they work with. Uh, so I found him to be uh, very graceful and courageous, especially in this world where new ideas are uh, dismissed so profoundly by the mainstream, whether through willful ignorance of them or um, active suppression of them. I hope we've come a long way since Tesla. And fortunately, we can talk to one another now. We have the internet, right? So the government can't suppress those things quite so fast or big fill in the blank can't buy those things quite so fast. But uh, that was one of the things that impressed me the most and was most surprising and, and delightful in a way, you know, about Maury. I'd have to agree because it's, it's just so refreshing when someone's highly credentialed and um, very intelligent, clearly. And yet the ego is very much in check and they're not coming at it from, oh, I obviously know more than you and I'm better than you because I know that more, or maybe not I'm better, but in this typical, this specific area of discussion, I definitely know more. So I'm right, you're wrong. And there's a lot of people that don't even consciously come across that way. You know, they're not doing it on purpose, but it's just, it's just ingrained in, in, aspects of the academic scientific um industry let's say and uh and that it just is what it is it's you know kind of a product of your environment but i find that so common uh that there's definitely an elitism type of attitude with a lot of these very high intellectual people uh, especially if they're highly credentialed and i understand you spend a crap ton of money on that i get it you want to have something to to kind of ride on after that but at the end of the day, you know, he has an attitude that I believe is a true scientist, the true scientific attitude, because science is always evolving and you're always having to re revisit your ideas and most likely revamp your theories and ideas yeah. throughout your whole life forever and ever and ever. That's the scientific method. And when people start to use science almost as a religion where it's like, well, this is fact and it's forever fact and it's never changing fact. And you're crazy if you think otherwise and get out of my you know face if you think otherwise. And I don't even want to have the discussion. It's like, well, whew, got a lot, a lot of issues with that. And unfortunately, that's the attitude uh, from a lot of people and a lot of uh, people running the, the, you know, the main narratives today. So when I when I listen to something like with Maury, I mean, refreshing would be one of the many words I'd like to use to describe that that interview and uh, really grateful that you got the time to do that. So, you know, thank you, Bill, for putting that together. Oh, sure. Um, I'm happy. You know. This is, you know, anytime something like that comes up, let's just take the opportunity, right? Yeah, why not? And listeners, yes. viewers, let us know. Uh, how did you find the interview? 
you know, uh, shoot us a message. What other kind of people um, would you like us to interview on the show? And any other thoughts that you have regarding that? Because I'm sure it also brought up a lot of questions and a lot of more rabbit holes you want to go uh, go on. And please feel free to share that with us. Oh, sure. Yeah. Call Maury Direct or email him. He's an open book, loves to talk. Uh, I would you know, I'd love to spend hours talking to the guy just to listen to him. Right? Easy to it's, do. Yeah. yeah, it is. And he's very open to that. So uh, yeah, give him a shout. Um, it's, it'll be interesting to see, you know, about this, Chris, it'll be interesting to see where this goes, because you and I both know so much about guided meditation and all of sort of where we've been, including affirmations and intention and all of that. And this, what Maury is doing is truly next level on all of that stuff. You know, he stripped all of the basics of music down to just the sounds that are necessary. And he's found a way to be able to trigger the, you know, the pattern matcher in just the ways that are necessary. And that current understanding is is far and away from, you know, what we do live, right? Oh, yeah. It's going to be really fun to combine his knowledge into what we do. So we'll stay tuned because we'll be updating you guys on whatever craziness we're involved in. Uh... Oh, I love that, yes. <laughs> and there's plenty of it coming, man. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Very exciting. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. I, I join you, Chris, on that. It's this is It was a long ride, and... I hope you do it more than once. There's a lot in there to unpack. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks again for listening, everyone. And we'll catch you on the next episode of Discussions of Music, Healing, and Consciousness. Aho, brother. Aho, Bill. <laughs>